Black True Crime is a podcast that researches and discusses murders committed by Black offenders. It is a podcast that anyone and everyone is welcome to enjoy, but it may not be enjoyed by anyone and everyone, so listener discretion is advised. Now, without further ado, this is Black True Crime. Hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. I'm Kayla. And I'm Kristen. And welcome to Black True Crime. If this is your first time here at the show, welcome and hello. Hi, guys. What's going on? Come on in. (laughs) Okay. Well, today we're super, super excited about this case. Well, I can't say we because Kristen doesn't know what's going on. I'm super excited about this case because we're really going to start banging out listener requested cases. I have been getting off track because I find a case that I like. and I'm just like, fuck the schedule. I'm just going to throw it in there. But we're not going to do that anymore. So we're going to stick to our schedule and bang out these listener requested episodes. And I'm excited about this one because it really pissed me off. And there was an episode made about it on this show called I Am Killer. So, Okay. Okay. Well, do you Mm -hmm. like to be upset? Uh, to an extent, I think. I think mm-hmm. I like emotion things that cause me to react emotionally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what I think I like. <laughs> okay, Kristen, are you ready? <sighs> Let's get into it. All right. November 7th, 2000, started out as a day of celebration for a Missouri man and his family, a family that truly loved him despite his mistakes and his flaws. And yet on that same day, this man decided that he would try to kill them all. Join us as we discuss the violent, vindictive snake that is DeAndre Buchanan. Hmm. Shout out to listener Ohima Layla for requesting this case. That's a pretty name. Thank you, Ohima. Thank you, Ohima. So yeah, this case is about to get disrespectful. Irritating. Yes. (laughs) DeAndre McHale... Buchanan was born on September 24th, 1973. Kristen, what happened in Black History in 1973? Okay, guys. So picture this. 1973, Thomas Bradley, for those of you guys who remember this from our previous cases and our TikTok, Mm -hmm. he was finally elected as the mayor of L.A. on May 29th, 1973. Remember, he was the first and the only black mayor of L.A. so far, and he happened to be the longest-serving mayor of L.A. to this day. Period. He served, I think, 20 years? Yeah. Also, on October 16th, just five short months later, another first happened with Maynard H. Jackson... Jackson, being elected as the first black mayor of Atlanta. Oh, dope. Yes. He served three terms, being the second longest serving mayor in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And people valued him so much that they renamed the Hartsfield Airport, which was originally named after William Hartsfield, okay. who was the longest serving mayor. Okay. They renamed that airport Hartsfield Jackson International Airport or International Atlanta Airport because what? of his service and because yeah. of his because of what he did that led to the expansion of the airport. Right. Oh, that's 
that's so cool. Yeah. So those are two little tidbits. If you want to know a little bit more um, about Maynard Jackson, mm -hmm. then stay tuned. I will be posting a TikTok soon about it. Yes. Okay. Follow Love us on that. Black True Crime TikTok. <laughs> Thank you, sister, so much for that trip down history lane. That was fun. For sure. Okay. So DeAndre, born September 24th, 1973. He had both parents in his life, even though they were like super young at the time. And he grew up in the church because his grandparents had a huge effect on like how he was raised because his parents were so young when they had him. Mm. Mm -hmm. Kristen, please. Kristen, what is that? Are we already at a what's it giving? Yes. Did you not see the same picture I saw? <laughs> I've seen it so many times. Okay. So, you know, he's attractive. Goodbye. Uh -oh. Next. Oh my freaking god. Listen, if you're dark skinned tits, cat <laughs> you got a chance. That's just that's just what it is. <laughs> that's not true. I love all colors. That's true. I so, love love dark chocolate. But I love all colors. <laughs> anyway, Kristen. So his grandparents encouraged him and his parents encouraged him to be active in sports and focus on school. He was really into like science and stuff like that. Yeah. According to some of DeAndre's cousins, even though they were a close knit family, they would always go to their grandparents' house to go play with DeAndre's toys. They said he always had everything. He was spoiled rotten. I don't know what his family did for a living, <laughs> but they definitely made sure that DeAndre wanted for nothing. So that's precious. It seems like it was like an ideal, ideal start to a childhood and their community saw this as well. They considered the Buchanans to be a model family and Dre, that's what they called him, you know, okay. DeAndre, Dre. He also, of course, spells his name Deandra, which I oh. thought was interesting. Okay. Yeah. At first I thought it was a woman's case, but then I looked it up. I was like, oh, this is a man. Yeah. That used to be my best friend. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Things change. Um, so shout out to Deandra. If she listens. <laughs> so, that's the nicest thing you've ever said to her. Ever said about her. <laughs> Correct. Yes. So Dre was basically the center of the family. And he was, seemed to be on a really bright path. Until one day he wanted to ride with his father on his motorcycle. So his father was like, you know, kind of a badass in that way. And he would ride with him sometimes. But on that day, his dad said, nah, you can't come with me. And, you know, Dre threw his little fit, kicked in the sand and stuff like that. But he said he knew not to get too crazy because daddy would, you know, pop him quick. Right. So, you know, he stood behind and his uncle came and got him a little bit later and literally took him to the scene where his father was dead. No. After a motorcycle accident. Yeah. No. So literally lift up the tarp and you see your dad type of thing. Why the heck would he take him there? That's why... I think that plays a part into why he's so mistrustful with his family in the future. Like you took me to go see something that changed my life forever in the worst way. That yeah, traumatizes. That trust issues. Yeah. This is a kid. You know what I'm saying? And he was close to his dad. His dad was his best friend kind of thing. So this was really, really hard on him. Brutal. Totally brutal. And Dre was only around like 12 at the time. So... It just really fucked him up. And according to Dre, this is when something changed in him. Soon after, he started fighting at school and in the neighborhood more. And when he was around 13 or 14, his cousins from Cali came to came to town. 
Like they moved there and they showed him how to make some real money. Mm-hmm. And you already know what I'm talking about. Dealing. Mm, Kristen. Mm-hmm. So, Reagan. you know, throwing up that, that, that. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> Kristen, please. Yes. <laughs> yes. So Dre started selling drugs cocaine to be exact come on dre that's a bit harsh well listen that's where the money was at dre soon started carrying weapons and after one of his close friends was shot and killed through his own front door he started paying people 50 dollars a day just to open the door wow yeah so you can imagine like how that paranoia is starting to flare up and kind of get to him for real this is like insane because things are happening to him so fast. Yeah, it's happening really fast. And he's so young at this point, you know? Yeah. So he was so paranoid. He got like a security system installed. He had security protocols for people that would come over and things like that. It was just, Period. it was becoming <laughs> the excessive. House. Yeah, it was. But, you know, when you or fearing for your life, I don't think anything can be too much other than, like, using deadly force against someone. I mean, yeah, you're selling crack, so, like, you need to be protected. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you're selling crack <laughs> out of your house. Like, come on. So these cautionary decisions were still in place, and maybe even more so, after he met a woman named Angela. Well, she wasn't really a woman. She was 16 years old. Oh, well, he, yeah. wasn't he young as well? Well, she was born in 1980. Okay. So, no. He's a bit older than her. He's 24 at this time, actually. Oh, my God, girl. Go home. Yeah. She was a super gorgeous girl, as you can see. She was shy and she was quiet. She liked to read books more than going out and partying and stuff. But she mustered up the courage to ask her mom if she could go on a date with, like I said, 24-year-old DeAndre. Girl. You be on your years, girl. You better sit down. <laughs> you better go somewhere and sit down. But her mom ain't even telling her to sit down. But cute. So what Kristen, are we going to do? He, it's giving trout mouth. Like, no thanks. Anyway. She did it. So Angela's mom. She's <laughs> so annoying. Wow. Y'all have to get on Patreon. Kristen's face, worth the price of $3 or more. Come on now. Anyway. <laughs> the least you could do it's the least you could do make your own day okay her mom agreed so angela's angela's mom agreed to let her date this man only if she was able to meet him first okay big stipulation and when they met you know he was super charming he was super respectful as you can see he was like clean cut and he just wooed them the whole family and he yeah. was raised in the church, so you know he has some sense. Yeah. And he probably used everything he learned in that moment. Absolutely. Because a lot of people were saying after his dad died, he turned into like this very angry, aggressive type of person, right? Yeah. And I think him being able to turn that off just shows, okay, manipulator, red flag. You know, red flag. And we're going to see some more. Very soon. But also, like, everybody's complex and everybody has different sides of them. So if he wasn't being angry in that moment, I'm not yeah. going to say he was manipulative. I'm just saying he wasn't angry in that moment and probably but wanted I th- to impress the mom. But I think we kind of turn off certain things in certain moments mm-hmm. to get a certain result. And yeah. I think that's what he was doing. Because, like I said, we're going to get into it more. Mm-hmm. Wasn't real. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> so after they were their courtship was approved, they started dating and basically just fell for each other right away. After being together for three years, the couple welcomed their first daughter named Dre Jeanette, and in 2000, welcomed their second daughter, Dresha. Oh my gosh, this is a beautiful family. Chris, and just my, I feel like I've seen them before type of thing. Right, it's like, so I feel like I real. I know these babies, I know yep. this mom. Yep, it just feels really real. And Angela was an amazing mom, loved her kids down, and she loved other people's kids and when i say that i mean deandre was out here cheating on angela and had two sons outside of their relationship and as you can see on the screen right now if you're watching you know on patreon she loved them kids too she loved them kids Mm -hmm. so it's just heartbreaking i couldn't imagine Kristen. let it be me i was gonna say (laughs) she's better than me better than i'll ever be (laughs) Chris is in my wildest dream. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I would have been the fuck out. And I'm sure you guys are wondering, like, why Angie stayed. And it's a tale as old as time. She was scared. DeAndre started out being super sweet in the relationship, taking her on trips. Because remember, he had money. Spoiling her and just love bombing the fuck out of her. And then one day it turned into, oh, you can't leave the house unless I say you can. And then she couldn't talk to her family and friends and just a textbook domestic abuse situation. Isolation, control, manipulation, physical assault, just the whole nine. Like, ew, what is up with men needing control? Why do they have, why do they feel that they can put their motherfucking hands on somebody? You can't put your hands on anybody. It's not giving. It's never going to give. And this shit needs to like die in 2022. Yeah, like us women need to start stabbing people. Yeah, and just face the consequences after. You're not going to just put your hands on me. (laughs) It's not going to go down like that. You know? But Angie was going through it all. She was dealing with it all. And DeAndre didn't want her talking to her mom anymore and wanted complete control of her life. So it's not even just extended family, friends, people that genuinely wanted the best for her. Her own mom. Like, I can't even talk to my mom. Are you joking? Yeah. Like that would have started problems, that alone. A hundred percent. Because one thing about me, I'm going to talk to my mom. Angie even had to call the police on DeAndre one day because he'd violently attacked her. According to DeAndre, is that his name? I don't think I'm saying it right. Every time I see it, it's DeAndre. I want to say DeAndre. Okay. They called him Dre, so you're saying it right. Dre. I'll just say Dre. So according to Dre, his security paranoia got to him that day because while he wasn't home, someone told him that there was a woman in his driveway that was dropped off by a car full of men. So DeAndre knew nobody was supposed to be going to his house at that time. So naturally, because he's an abusive control freak, he asked Angie who the men were and, you know, the woman. And she's like, that's just my cousin. Like, she just came over for a little bit, whatever. He wasn't satisfied with his answer. And according to him, he grabbed her and pushed her a couple times. Okay. Corny. Okay. We already know that's probably a lie. But according to the police report, which I think I actually have, yeah, a little snippet of it, Angie said he chased her around and beat her with a baseball bat. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Her mom was also present at the time, and she even said that she had to step in between the couple so he couldn't, like, physically 
get to Angie to hurt her more. And she said that she told him, you have to leave the house. And as he was leaving, the mom went to start calling the police. And that's when Dre came back and he grabbed Angie and said, quote, you will never see your baby again if you don't come with me. Like, oh, I'm going it's to more jail. Than just, it's narcissism. It's giving narcissism. Yeah, Whoa. he's definitely a, he's definitely a narcissist. He there has to be other negative words that we can use because I feel like I always am calling a gross, abusive man a narcissist. And they yeah. it's because they probably are. That's probably the right term to use. Yeah, and if I follow this guy on TikTok who is a narcissist, so he's been airing out all his <laughs> dirty laundry. And like it gets really gross, like really just manipulative just because they can. Yeah. So yes, this is giving whole narcissism. Mm, mm, mm. I hate it so much. He was later arrested on domestic violence charges, but the couple would reconcile. Good God, Dre. What happened? I was about to say, you thought he was cute? You he were was, wrong. Quote unquote, <laughs> was. Dre lost his mojo. He was yes. not cute. It's no, not cute. On another occasion, one of Dre's cousins described how Angie showed her welts on her body starting from her collarbone down to her knees and they were from dre beating her with a wire hanger like where the fuck do you get off where did that even come from like angie out i know angie take your kids and go to your mama's house go to your mama's house kristen literally i was just about to say angie's mom was extremely worried about her daughter and wanted her to feel that she could leave anytime it wasn't like Angie didn't have anywhere to go. You know, her mom fully told her she should not be staying there. She needs to come home. But Angie just, she wasn't ready, I guess. And, you know, there's four kids and two of them aren't even hers. So she right. can't just take them. Right. So that's probably even weighing on her heart more. Exactly. In 2000, the courts had legally banned Angie and DeAndre from having any communication. And this was due to the domestic abuse case. But DeAndre had such control over Angie, she kept going back. And on November 7th, 2000, DeAndre would attack Angie for the last time. I hate this. Moment of silence. You want to take a break? A little ad break? That'd be nice. Let's do an ad break. Okay. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So first, I want to give you guys an idea of who DeAndre was in November of 2000. So we already talked about how his paranoia was at an all-time high, but we didn't talk about why too much. Well, during a drug deal in the past, Dre was robbed for his product at gunpoint. So, you know, if someone puts a gun in your face, you're probably going to be traumatized. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel like, yes, that could have been it because he's still a kid. And what happened to him as a kid could have traumatized him to kind of stay in that kid like, like emotion. Mindset. Yeah. Yes. Where it's like, I have to express myself via tantrums and hitting and things like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but also, like, if somebody put a gun in my face and I was selling product, I would be so pissed I would be that so once pissed. I'm gone, like, I'm making sure that it never happens again. And that's, I think, what he took from that. He was so pissed and embarrassed, you know. He said, this will never fucking happen to me again. Mm -hmm. 
And then he took a trip to California and someone fully tried to kill him out there. Mm -hmm. Didn't work, obviously, but it definitely stuck with old boy. He was scared. Mm -hmm. On top of that, he was also paranoid about retaliation that he was expecting from an East St. Louis associate who he previously shot in the leg. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't built for this. <laughs> like, he hurts people and then he acts like, wait a minute, now I got to protect myself. It's like right. you started this, sir. Right. Talking about paranoid. Paranoid. Yes, I'm coming your way. You did it. You did it. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. He plays victim this whole entire time. Even in the episode of the show that I was telling you guys about, he doesn't really take responsibility for fucking anything. And he blames it on something we'll get to. Mm. So in November 2000, Dre was on probation for the previous domestic assault on Angie and a warrant for his arrest was issued in August of the same year because he popped on a piss test. So he tested positive for cocaine and marijuana. So I don't think we acknowledged that before, but he's he's using his own product. He's a, just a you're not supposed to fucking do that if you're selling drugs, you know, but he's doing that. And it's I think he's an addict at this point. Regardless of what he says. I mean, if if it was just weed, I'd be like, eh. But he's using Coke, too. And he's a dealer. So you have ample, you know, exposure. Exactly. Exactly. So to avoid being arrested, Dre obtained a fake birth certificate, like under a false name, changed his hair, and then stripped his fingertips. So he wouldn't leave, like, fingerprints wherever he went. He's so extra. He's so dramatic. You popped on a piss test, sir. Like, and honestly, I think he was probably facing time if he popped. But yeah. even then, I've seen it where they're like, okay, you pop, whatever. We'll give you another chance. So I don't really think they're going to send him to jail. But, but of course, him being paranoid him. And he's just extra as hell. So on this day, Tuesday, November 7th, 2000, Dre was at his stepfather's house where he was living with his aunt, girlfriend Angie, and their two little girls. Since they'd moved in, Angie was barely able to even leave the fucking room that the couple was staying in at that house. So she was just, I mean, in a chokehold. But this day they were celebrating the fact that his aunt had recently gotten her own apartment. So she would be moving out and they were just celebrating that. Okay. Since the early 90s, Dre's mom, Linda, had been in a relationship with a man named William Jefferson. So that was the guy that was technically his... his that was his stepdad. I don't know if it was like legally a thing, right. but right. they were together for a long time. Handsome little man. There they are. That's Aww. yeah. There they are. She's happy. Mm-hmm. That is his mom. So Dre's mom and William. I love it. Love it Me for too. her. Me too. So they were cute and they were all actually at the house that day along with some other family members and it was just a vibe. Everyone was dancing to music, having drinks and like just having a good time. Everyone but Dre. Earlier that day, he got into an argument with Angie where he accused her of for the thousandth time cheating on him. And that's like, Kristen, how, is there like a formula book? Is there a class or a course that all all abusers take (laughs) and do the exact same fucking thing? That's what I'm saying. Like, how are we able to see it as clear as day? Is it just toxic masculinity and insecurity attached to that? All of the above. But because I bet you when it when narcissism puts itself in a man and shows itself, it's going to be different than the way it shows itself in a woman. I Just think because so of there's the male ego as well. So yeah. 
this is a hot mess. Angie, girl, you're going through too much. And for what? It's just, it's not worth it. Please, y'all. If you're in any type of situation, we always say this, get the fuck out. Get out. Do whatever you have to do. Do whatever you have to do because I promise it's going to be worth it in the end. Yeah, you'll have your life. (sighs) Lord. So everyone was having a good time except DeAndre. And someone, even a couple of the guests, actually heard Dre say that he was, quote, going to kill me a bunch of motherfuckers tonight, end quote. (laughs) And this was before he had even smoked anything, took a hit of nothing. But the people in attendance didn't take it too seriously because he always says crazy shit, right? He said shit like that before. So they didn't pay too much mind to it. I can just imagine us at this party dancing and all of a sudden we hear that in the back and we're like, did we? Kristen, where's my shoes? Am I wearing shoes? Okay, we should go. We're going to get out of here. Music cut. Let's go. It will literally be that like record sound. I don't think so. Packing up the DJ booth because you know it's our music. (laughs) And we're out of here. (laughs) Out of here. So yeah, but nobody left. Nobody thought too much of it. And as the evening went on, Dre became more and more agitated with his family, even saying that he thought they were plotting against him and trying to kill him. So he decided to ask one of his homeboys to drop off some something for him. He says that he asked for weed, right? And he just wanted to smoke it to take the edge off. Well, according to Dre, the weed he smoked did something to him. But it would later be discovered that he was actually smoking Primos, which are cigarettes laced with cocaine. Okay. So he basically, in the grand scheme of things, is going to try to blame whatever happens next on the fact that someone gave him laced weed and he didn't know about it. He wasn't expecting it. You know, somebody drugged him and this happened. So he said when he went back to get the stuff from his homeboy and smoke, when he came back in the house, there was a door that was closed that he didn't want closed. So you guys already know he's paranoid. Mm -hmm. He basically told everyone there, like, who the fuck is in that room? Open the damn door. And they're like, just chill. You're tripping. Like, no one is trying to hurt you, set you up. But Dre didn't care about any of that and decided to grab a shotgun and open fire. Kayla. Kristen. Instead of just opening the motherfucking door. Even if you have the shotgun and you're feeling manic, just shoot through the door, the the handle of the door. You know what I'm saying? And then go and check out what's going on. I don't, I don't know what the fuck is wrong with this person, but we'll get to it. According to the people who attended the party, they were all watching a movie in the living room when Dre came into the room with his shotgun already out because he was known to hold like a, a 42 caliber and a shotgun just on his fucking person like crazy. So he's yelling and saying they were trying to set him up and hurt him. And he even used a cell phone, y'all, to call 911 while he's holding them hostage saying like someone's trying to kill me. Yeah, he's nuts. Uh-huh, uh-huh. When his aunt Juanita tried to grab her two grandchildren and leave, like, through the door, he blocked the front door so she couldn't go. During this time, William's stepfather directed Linda and the others to the back of the house where they took down the barricade that Dre had set up and were able to escape. So Okay. Thankfully, some people were able to get out. And one of the other attendees named Jeffrey Simmons hid in a closet in the home. So he was still there. He was a witness. He heard everything that happened next. 
Juanita tried to convince DeAndre to come outside with her and he agreed. But as soon as he got outside, she tried to close the door behind him. And before she was able to like get the door closed, he threw it back open and he was back in the house. Hmm. That's when he pointed the gun at Juanita and she tried to grab it from him while saying, quote, DeAndre, stop this. I love you. Oh, my God. He then shot her once in the chest and she fell to the floor. Wow. And I have to remind you guys that he had a shotgun, a type of gun that you have to reload essentially every time that you want to fire it. So after he shoots his aunt, he reloads the shotgun. And when he saw people trying to escape through the back door, he headed that way and saw his stepfather, William, hiding behind the refrigerator. Okay, no. Kristen. Oh, look at this man, this sweet man. I know. He put his hands up and told him not to shoot him because they were family. But Dre shot him once in the chest anyway. And he's done. A shotgun to the chest? You're crazy. Done. He then went out the back door, so Dre did, saw two people running to his right and fired two shots over there. And then he reloaded the weapon and he saw Angie running down the street in the other direction, holding their two children. Dre ran after her and was yelling to Angie to come here. So she stopped running, and as he got close, while denying that she was trying to set him up, Dre put the muzzle to her neck and pulled the trigger. Wow. Pulled the trigger. Wow. That close to her. And the part that just turned my stomach the most was that she stopped running when he called her. He told yeah. her, you know, Angie, Angie, come here. And she stopped. And she, that's just that paralyzing fear, you know? And it just breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. Or if anything, like, he could have shot her while she was running, and he could have hit the kids. Yeah, but he didn't want to. That's why he waited to get up on her and shoot her. So maybe she thought she was saving her kids when she stopped. Like, go babies. I'll stop. No, she held them. She held when them. she was holding them? Yeah, she, when she, even when she was on the ground and help came, she was still holding them. Kayla, this is hard. This is really, really sad. I know. And the babies are alive. Yes, they survived. They they were unharmed. Juanita Hoffman, William Jefferson, and Angela Brown all died from their injuries. Angie died three days after because she was determined to have no brain activity. Uh, Juanita was actually able to walk away from the scene and say who shot her. But the bleeding from her chest was uncontrollable, and she died hours later at the hospital. And then William was just pronounced dead on the scene. Oh, and trip off this. When Dre fled the scene, Dre got in the car with a man named Jerry Key, someone he actually knew and who'd actually dated Angie in the past, too. And after riding in the car with him for a while, he said, quote, I don't need you anymore, and shot him in the chest. Yeah. Yeah. Jerry said while he was driving, he noticed that Dre was starting to slowly point the gun in his direction. And so he like pushed it away, you know, like, what the fuck? No, no thanks. But homeboy still shot him. Dre is off the hinges. Out of his fucking mind. And Jerry was able to jump out of the window of the car he was driving. So the car is still moving. And thankfully, Jerry survived the shooting. Wow. Holy moly, a shotgun blast to the chest. And you survived. And he survived. Unfortunately, he did lose like permanent use of parts of his upper body, but the man's still alive. 
out of everyone that was shot, he survived. So, like, he was a getaway and he turned his gun on you and shot you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, don't give a damn about you. No, no. Police were able to apprehend Dre that same night, and according to the arresting officer and the dash cam video, Homeboy was acting like super erratic, but he was still complying with her requests. So he would be yelling like, someone's trying to kill me and someone's after me. But when she would say, put your hands behind your back or get on the ground, he was doing it. So I think from her perspective, she's just suggesting that he wasn't in a state of psychosis because he was able to cooperate. And if he was, he wouldn't have been able to cooperate as well as he was. Mm. When he was interviewed by police at the station that night, DeAndre spilled the whole tea y'all and unfortunately i can't include it because it was on an episode on netflix (laughs) and netflix is like doesn't play about their copyright so if you want to hear it please 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 go watch i am a killer season one episode seven it's called family i think it's like family matters or family issues or something like that and you can hear it but he told them everything Kristen gave him the full rundown and he even said honestly if i could have got them all i would have Like, you're disgusting. He's absolutely disgusting. There was no no sense of remorse that he showed in that interview at all. He was super animated. It almost looked like he was kind of having fun telling what happened. Absolutely. And it was fucking sick. And you blamed it on this laced drug that you quote unquote having. Bullshit. He's full of shit, honestly. So police charged Dre with three first-degree murder charges, amongst other charges. And if convicted, he would be facing the death penalty. Bye. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we don't we don't openly advocate for it. No. But with Un- some people... Unless it's under circum- certain circumstances. Right. Some people are just so evil that you feel like they shouldn't be here. They just shouldn't be here. Now, when the time came for trial in 2002, and to this day, Dre claims that he has no memory of what happened that night and never did because of that like laced drug that he spoke that night. And this is something that he openly says as a defense in court, even though the tape clearly shows him saying every detail, Kristen, every detail he remembers how many times he shot them. He remembers how many times he had to rack the gun. He remembers running. He remembers what he said to them. He remembers what they said to him before they died. Come on. And the thing is, if he had, if he was smoking Primos, cocaine has a shorter lifespan of weed than weed does. So yeah. for you to call, you to go get arrested that night and you remember everything, like you would have came down from that initial drug I moment think so at too. that moment. So I think so too. Don't, don't play the fiddle. We yeah. see you. And especially if you're like a habitual drug user, like this wasn't his first time using cocaine. Right. You know, it's something that you have to work at to get fucked up. After, you know, like I said, habitual use. So he's just trying to play, play everybody. And he's just fucking annoying. They also put a doctor on the stand to essentially convince the court that Dre was mentally ill. The doctor claimed that Dre suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder, delusional disorder, paranoia, hypomania, depression, and anxiety. And coupled with the cocaine he used that night, Dre just lost control and his delusions and paranoia caused him to do what he did. I think that's fucking bullshit. I think even if he does have these disorders and struggles with his mental health, I don't think the laced weed or laced cocaine, whatever, something he uses on a regular would have pushed him like this in this situation. I feel like it had to be something he already in his heart wanted to fucking do. 
Yes. I agree that he had all of those mental health issues, though. Every <laughs> single one of them resonated with me. It's definitely but giving that. It's definitely giving. <laughs> but we, some of us out here got Ugh. that, and we're not killing people. And specifically, his family members said that they kind of felt like he was mistrustful of them. And this yeah. wasn't the first time he showed that. Correct. So this is what you call a habit. This is what you call yeah. something that has been growing in him, festering like a sore. Yeah. And it popped that night. It's red flags, man. Don't ignore the red flags. I don't care who it is. I don't care who it is. And mind you, a lot of mental health issues can present themselves after hard drug use. And clearly, Dre was regularly using more than just weed. The prosecution, on the other hand, wasn't buying any of it and presented witnesses that were actually present at the home on the day of the murders who said they literally saw Dre less than 10 minutes before the murders happened and he was not high. I know you, he could have ingested something within that short time span, but I also agree that it's hard to believe that he could just completely turn homicidal within those couple minutes. Mm -hmm. I agree. You know, it's just a reach. A jury of 12 found DeAndre Buchanan guilty of three murder charges, and after deliberating, 10 of the 12 jurors voted to sentence him to death. Wow. Yep. Yep. So but, you don't need, so you only need a majority vote for the death penalty? Girl, next sentence. Okay. But less than a year later, Missouri State imposed a new law that said any death sentence had to be decided by a unanimous jury. In other words, all 12 have to agree. Yeah. So Dre's life sentence was commuted to, I mean, Dre's death sentence was commuted to a life sentence. Mm. As of 2022, Dre is still in jail aging like a crack pipe and delusionally thinking <laughs> he will be getting out of jail soon. He thinks he's going to get out of jail. Good. Kristen, he's con Kristen, he's convinced. He's convinced. Even though he has appealed his case and it's been denied, he still thinks he has a chance. But these are the things that probably help him keep a, a good spirit in there. Girl, who cares? Right. Uh, he's there. He's let's take a look out. at him. What's it giving? It's, it's giving, giving long pinky toe it's, it's giving, giving plankton <laughs> it's giving bert from bert and ernie <laughs> Fact. it's giving popsicle stand puppet head kayla come for him now now Kristen, i hate him i hate him just seeing him talk hearing him talk it just makes you want to yeah take it there and we're going to wow. hear a little bit of him in a little bit because I was able to find a interview that he did with another like YouTuber podcaster. So I'm going to include that in a little bit. Dre was so convinced that he will be free one day that he's actually in a relationship. His new woman, her name is Kay Vassell, and she's actually the baby mama of a famous UK artist named Dappy. Mm. Okay. Dappy was in a group called Indubs and was also on Celebrity Big Brother. Okay. So the the guy is a complete asshole. He, oh. one of his fans like complimented him and said she listened to all of his music and he called her a fat, ugly pig. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he's disgusting, terrible person. Next. Wow. So she's on to another terrible, disgusting terrible person. person. Yeah, here they Ew. are. They have, I think they have like three kids together. Because <laughs> it's <an> ill. <laughs> like, get out. And I'm not talking about the baby. No. The baby's kind of cute. Yeah, the baby's cute. <laughs> Baby looks like a grown man. Okay. <laughs> Nostrils are from here to there, but I love it. Kristen, 
Kayla, I came for the baby. Who? What's wrong? Because the baby has his mom's nose. That's all. The baby is a full grown man in a baby's <laughs> body. So cute. So cute. But yeah. So they were together. She even like picked up her life, moved to Missouri just to be closer to Drake. And she was like petitioning to get him free and all that type of shit. She said in an interview, quote, I didn't expect it, but he got back strict away. So she like wrote him after she saw the documentary. It was five or six letters before I gave him my number. We speak on the phone up to three times a day. I get how people might think she's crazy. What is she doing? But once you talk to him and know his heart, you understand that he is not a bad person. So Girl. she had, yeah. <laughs> like nobody at this point cares if he's a bad person or not. He did a very, very, very bad thing and he doesn't, he's not remorseful about it. So that's all I need no to know remorse. about him to stay away from him. Like later in later interviews, even in the documentary, he says, I'm sorry to my family for what happened, blah, blah, blah. But it's fake. It's bullshit. It doesn't seem real because in the same breath, he blames others. In the same breath, he says, if I could have trusted you guys more or, you know, stuff like that. It's just so dismissive and disrespectful. So she had some really nice things to say about him, but they're not together anymore. Actually, I'm going to play a clip of him talking about that and his new boo. So here we go. Uh she reached out to me after watching the documentary I'm a Killer series, and we kind of like got cool, hit it off a little bit, and she moved here. And one thing led to another. We found ourselves engaged, and um, and I don't think it was meant to be. That's the only thing I can say. I don't think it was meant to be. But we friends, and we at the time, and uh, I'm not into you know talking about everything about everything, but I don't want to put no negative light on anybody or anything. So we just end up going our separate ways. I'll just leave it at that. But I'm, um, you know, at the moment, I'm engaged to another girl from over there in the U.K. We have a little boy. And um, he just turned two years old today. So I guess it was just meant for me to be with the girl that I'm with now instead of the one that I was with. It's the only way I can look at it. It's just giving, it's giving, like when you hear him speak, I'm like, okay, it humanized him for me for sure. Mm -hmm. But then I thought, saw how he was talking about the girls and stuff like that. And I'm just like, this is a man who just want to find him some business. Yeah, he has no business. He has, he has nothing no going business, on. So he's trying to find him some business. And him being in prison is probably helping his psyche because yeah. for whatever reason, I don't know, maybe he was just paranoid of what could happen because of where he was at and what was mm -hmm. going on. You could tell it could be helping, but sir, that's why you need to spend the rest of your life there. And because you clearly cannot operate in normal society. Right. You're not a functioning member of society. And from my perspective, I see him as kind of like, because he was violent before he started being on heavy drugs, right? He had those tendencies. People that knew him, that were close to him felt that way. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it was just, it's something that just magnified the things that he was already feeling because when you're in that life and he fully admits that he was submerged completely into like the selling drugs, the gangs, the, you know, that type of carrying guns lifestyle. When you're in that, the violence comes with it. You know, it will change your personality. It will change the good parts of you. Mm -hmm. So I just think that he can't blame his paranoia or his terribleness just on the drugs. He just can't because it no. was already brewing in him. 
Yes. Agreed. Well, since he is, you know, currently engaged or whatever and has a son, how the fuck does that work? I don't know. Conjugal visits, question mark? And the interview took place five months ago. And I'm like, you know, because of COVID, I know that maybe they've become more lax, but I didn't think that they were having those type of visits. So did she inseminate herself? Who knows? Who knows? Maybe it's not even his blood kid. Who fucking knows? Either way, his meetaninmate.com profile is still active. (laughs) And yes, I have a screenshot of his profile. Let's take a look at it. Okay. (laughs) They got a good picture. Kristen... Chris, they got it from the freaking show. Like documentary. Please. I can please. Tell. Like, please. So let's take a let's let's take a closer look. Yeah, because I show couldn't see nothing. All right. It says, I'm looking for a beautiful, respectable woman to build a foundation with that can be loyal and honest with me and potentially build a life together after my release. If you would like to learn more about my imprisonment, you can watch my episode on the documentary I Am a Killer. Featured on Netflix. And then he wow. types, I am a killer, episode seven, family affairs. This nigga is proud He's of the proud. fucking episode, Kristen. And then he puts 8200, no more victims <laughs> road, Jefferson City. Like, how dare you? Kristen, that's the address. <laughs> of, of what? The, of the prison he's in. Kill you like. Nothing will come up if I put this in my dog on maps. Kristen, matter of fact, I'm going to take this moment. <laughs> Because we have time. We have time today. No more victims. No. Road. Jefferson what pops City. up? Jefferson City Correctional Center. <laughs> no. Yes. Oh, they are funny. You know, they tried. They tried. <laughs> okay, but back to him. Because that's a mess. Kristen, it says occupation before prison, marketing, production, and entertainment. i am cracking up okay this is just a lot just too much i hate that he's still living some resemblance of a normal fucking life he has a new kid he has a fiance he thinks he's getting out it's just sad like do you does he even think about his kids that are alive that he killed their mom like i was about to say oh yeah and he still has kids he still has his beautiful dre and drisha look at them kristen gorgeous girls gorgeous grown up they're actually in this picture visiting their mom's grave site and even the site is just beautiful angela was beautiful <sighs> And it's just like, I, I honestly hope that the kids have nothing to do with him because what he did was so fucking horrific. Like, I hope they forgive him for their sake, their own, you know, salvation sake. But mm-hmm. leave that man alone. Let him rot where he at. Because he's clearly moving on. Yeah. He's living his best life in prison somehow, still doing interviews, thinking he's hot shit, lying, not taking accountability. But what did you expect? But this is what I'm saying. Like, there are some people who function better in a facility like that, even yeah. rehab and things. But the horrible things you do to get there. Yeah. It's just what's so hard to, like, overcome. And then you're sitting here on your dating profile telling people, look me up and all the things that I've done. And yeah. I'm not ashamed. Yeah. And it's like, wow, you're brazen. You're disgusting. It's not giving. It's really not giving. And I think that he's lied to himself for so long that he may actually believe it now. So, well, that's our case for this week, you guys. Okay, Ohima. Like, this one was something that was like, 
It wasn't to to throw my chest out of my body, but it was very it frustrating. And it's the classic definition of a narcissist in every single way. Yeah. Abusive narcissist. Because you can be a narcissist, but not be violent and abusive. You right. know, you're a violent narcissist. Yes. Danger, and I don't danger. I genuinely don't think he's changed. I don't think he's grown from it. And I will be very happy to never speak of him again. Yeah, so thanks for that, Ohima. <laughs> thanks, Ohima Lelager. So before we go, we love you guys so much. If you guys enjoyed the episode or if you just enjoy the show in general, please give us a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It really helps us get the show out to other people and tell everybody you know, period. <laughs> so with that being said, be safe, protect your peace, and protect your space so we don't have to cover your case. Period, Bye. friend. Bye. I have a right to do that, but you have no right to judge me.